On today's episode, we're going to discuss last play scenarios and how to practice them with a heavy defensive emphasis. And joining me to do that is the assistant head football coach and outside linebackers coach at Army West Point, John Luce. John, great to have you back here on the podcast. Hey, thank you, Keith. I love your podcast. Listen to them every time I'm driving back from, you know, anywhere. I sit down there and I listen to them the whole way. Love it. It's good stuff. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we always time this up, so we make sure that we talk about Lawrence First and Gold Clinic, too. And we have some exciting news about that that we'll get to later in the podcast. But our focus today is going to be the last play scenarios, how we practice them. And there's a ton of detail that goes into it. And I know, you know, going back to my high school days when I first approached this, we definitely work on it every week. But I didn't have nearly the list that we're going to cover today. And I think it's a great list of just the different scenarios and an approach to take to those. I think a lot can be learned just from the thought process and how we practice those. So uh, when you, you think of those, the last play scenarios, John, how to practice them, first of all, giving us an overview and in, in your approach to this. Well, one, one thing I did, you know, as a defensive coordinator, what I did is every Thursday – and a lot of times I do this when field goal was going on on offense because they would take a couple of our guys, but it wasn't that critical. And I would start it like it was the last play of the game, right? The last play of the game, not half. I think that's a little bit different scenario, obviously. But last play of the game, and I would work my way as furthest to closest to the end zone. And we had a specific defense for each one of those scenarios. And, uh, you know, I remember – what. what at Lafayette, we had a changeover in staff one year, and we hired it. I went from secondary to linebackers, and we hired a great secondary guy, Doug McFadden. And I remember him. We spent an entire day on these last play scenarios, like going through it, you know, in the off season, getting ready. And I remember after the season, he said, "You know, what? I remember thought we were nuts doing that. We used every damn one of them. I think. <laughs> I mean, so it it matters. And you know, I mean, I've been doing this for a minute, like the kids say, and. You know, it's 37 years, so we've lost games because of last-minute scenarios. And and they're not always the last, last minute, because some of them first down, go down on offense, and, you know, lost games both ways on that. So th- those are the things I'd like to hit today. But, yeah. so, you know, essentially, Keith, for the last play scenarios, hey, we're winning on defense. And, and I always tell our kids, man, you're winning on defense with a minute left. you got to win the game. And, uh you know, so we went through the last play scenarios on Thursdays, and it was real quick. It was versus scout team, and we would start as far away from the end zone as we might be and work our way close. So, you know, the first one, Keith, is I, and I see teams do this. They line up, and the other team's on the minus 25 or the minus 30. And I always wanted to know, and I wrote it on my call sheet, how far could he throw a Hail Mary for real? Mm-hmm. Like how far right. could the guy throw it? And if I could find one on tape, then we practice that specific one. Okay. But nobody can throw a Hail Mary from the 25, the minus 25. Right. So we had a different defense than if it was a Hail Mary, because now what's going to happen, it's going to be hook and ladder, right? It's going to be what we call a zombie type play where you got to keep the ball alive. And so to me, we rush two guys. We're going to drop nine. There's no point in pressuring them. There's no point in even rushing three. We want to make sure we got as enough coverage as humanly possible and make sure that we stay fanned out for when they kick the ball all over the place. Are you looking at, when, when you're looking at that scenario, knowing that 
hey, this is this is going to be a bunch of laterals, right? Do you take you know your bigger defensive tackles off the field? Are you looking at maybe a little bit of a different personnel set, knowing that you know we're trying to turn this into a, a rugby match? Absolutely, hundred percent. Like I think you look at the other side, right? And I've said this a bunch. And uh, if I'm ever a head coach, this is the case. Like you, it, it's harder on offense because you've got to have five offensive linemen unless it's a kicking formation, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's merit in it. Again, you don't get in these scenarios very often, but it, there's merit in lining up in a kicking formation because the minute the offensive lineman touches the football, the play yeah. is dead. You watch it. Every one of those scenarios, as soon as one of those guys touches, they're dead anyway. So they really got to get out of the way if you're going to use them. But it's the same thing on defense. You're exactly right. I would like as many skill guys as I can. So – we had it was a one-word defense and a one-word group that hey this was this was that that defensive call. So you're exactly right. And then I I might have two rushers in there at best, but I've got nine real skill guys that can tackle, and I want to make sure we're not all directly chasing the ball because again the 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 point of it on defense is to win the football game. It's not to give up ten yards on mm-hmm. that play. You know, I, we've all seen these scenarios where it's really scary and the ball gets tackled on the 10, but it's still a win. And, you know, someday you, you just you just know this. I either I'm bowl eligible or I'm not, right? I won my league or I'm not. I'm going to play. Yeah. You know, you, you brought up that idea of, of getting into a kick formation, and that made me think of I'm not quite sure exactly what they were going to do because the play ended up getting, you know, uh, tackled pretty quickly. But the Cowboys had put – Zeke Elliott at center and moved all the offensive linemen out to the sideline like it was all right something's up here they're trying to create space and do some things and uh on the offensive side you know I think it takes a different approach too the one thing I see common in in these situations I mean every now and then no there'll be the rare play that scores but these guys just seem to be going backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards the ball keeps going the wrong direction and I've always said hey if if I ever uh you know got back into it and, and coached again I would in you know spring or in camp bring a rugby coach in and teach these guys the approach to you know multiple laterals down the field because that you know you don't see rugby teams sending the ball backwards to advance the ball I, I just think there's something to be learned from that sport as well. I agree. That's a great point. You know, we brought our rugby guys in to do tackling. When we first went to the, the Seahawks, the Gator, uh, the, the rugby tackle stuff, we brought our rugby coaches who won the national championship last year. We brought them in and spent time with them. So I, I think that's a great point. I think you absolutely can do that. So obviously we're looking at knowing the the arm of the quarterback. I agree. You got to know that. Where, where do you get to where they're going to throw the ball up? Because that does – change things it probably changes again that approach on exactly what you're you're going to call because once you get into that range uh, you know you're gonna do different things with the rush the drop maybe even the guys that you put in the game I know on de- the defensive side we'd always look for uh, you know a receiver who could get up have ball skills but was taller and he was he was definitely going to be the guy to try to get up into the air and, and knock that down, right? So, you, again, just looking at last play scenarios, people, all those things. So, you know, moving down the field, 
Uh, I'm not sure which area you wanted to, to attack next. Well, I think the next, I, I think it's a good point about the receiver. So, cause that's my next point. If, if he's, if it's not a Hail Mary, don't have that receiver in there. You know, there were times when I was defensive coordinator, I had two receivers in there. We used, if you watch the uh, game this, this year, right before half against Navy, Andre Carter, who's going to get drafted, he's our pass rush guy. He's our outside linebacker, 6'6", you know, went to the combine and the senior bowl. He's back there. He's not rushing the passer. He's back there and actually knocked the ball down you know, spiked it into the end zone on the next scenario, which is the Hail Mary, right? So I, I don't want that guy deep if it's not a Hail Mary. And again, you have to have a different defense. You can't say it's one defense and this is the group and then try to adjust when they're racing their guys up because they don't have a timeout. You, again, you have to practice it. So it was one group with backups, you know, the backups. And, and because they're using so many DBs and stuff in these kind of groups, this guy might have to back up three spots, right? And you, the, the next thing is too, that I've learned over the years is you need a real depth chart on the field of these last scenarios because when somebody's dinged up and they can't go, you, you have to have a guy that's actually practiced it. And that's why we did it every Thursday. And again, we might've practiced it one time on Thursday and then went to the next scenario, right? So to, to me, the next scenario though, Keith, is now they got a Hail Mary it's at midfield, but I would always argue this to the death of me that, you know, Hussein Bolt can't run 55 yards in three seconds. Now, the ball's going to hang out in the air. I get it. You know what I mean? So there's that factor to it. But you watch all the Hail Marys, and they almost all had the same things in common. One, the quarterback pats the ball and is able to move to his throwing hand or step up, obviously, right? The, the second scenario is it's a three-man rush and we just give them time, right? And then somebody gets behind the pile and sometimes in front of the pile. So to me, the way you set up that play, you know they can get it to the end zone. What I did most of the time, and I try to find film, because a lot of guys will put three receivers into the boundary when their boundary is to their right and they got a right-handed quarterback, right? So I literally, with a right-handed quarterback, I would call it, I'd call it left something. So our defense lined up to the left no matter what. And I brought, I brought four guys from the left and made it where your pass protection is going to be really hard and had one guy to the right to get it pulled up. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So I, I want to push the guy away from his throwing hand because I don't care who you are. You can scramble to your right and heave it pretty good. Pushing to your left is way harder, right? Way harder. And, and, and if he pulls it down, if he pulls it down, we're going to rally and knock it down. And, and that happened one year where the quarterback was scrambling so much, he dumped it to a tailback and the crowd's going crazy. It, it probably happened twice. So I had a way to kind of mug him, but they, they dumped it to tailback and he rushed for about, he went for like 40 yards and we tackled him on the 15. The game was over. Right. So, you know, on offense though, you have to know that's a zombie play too. And you got to know that, Hey, and what I mean zombie is you're trying to stay alive no matter what, right? So you gotta you gotta have somebody trailing it and pitch it to somebody and do that. And again, I the way I look at those plays, get the offensive line out of the way. Because as soon as it's pitched to them, plays over anyway. So I just would get them out of the way. But that, that's what I did as far as a Hail Mary. I think a Hail Mary is different than the next scenario in that now I've got a Hail Mary on the you know, 35 yard line or so. So that makes sense. 40, to probably the 35. And then we just, 
and I would write down which I would write down on my call sheet which defense I was going to run exactly by where the field position was. So I didn't have to think about it during the game. That makes sense. All right. So, so I knew if it was on this minus territory, I was going to do one defense and rush two guys. It was on the next defense. I was going to rush five guys. And then, and then I worked my way down again, where, you know, if it only takes a couple seconds to heave it up into the end zone, then I think you go back to your three man rush. I still think you try to, you know, we used to try to, pin the tackle and get a guy around to get to the quarterback quickly and still try to push him to his away from his throwing hand. That makes sense. Right. But we knew the Hail Mary was going to get off. So that, that's how I did it. And the other thing we did some is we, we added a rusher late. So he actually banged a guy and this worked. We were playing Richmond one year with coach Clawson and they had, they had thrown a Hail Mary and completed it to win the game but the guy had stepped out of the back of the end zone and when he came back in wasn't eligible right so we had about eight minutes we had about eight minutes to um, you know talk about and think about it while they were trying to sort out what it was right so we luckily got another play and the next play what I did is and I would do this the rest of my career probably is we banged a guy and then I sent him late so what happened was they picked up the protection. The guy got hit. He didn't sack him, but at that point he was screaming at the quarterback, and the quarterback threw it out of the back of the end zone and won the game. Does that make sense? So it didn't, it didn't happen right away, but it wasn't a quick, hey, I'm going to rush five guys. There's no point. They're not going to get there. He's going to get it into the end zone quick enough and go from there. I, the, the next thing, Keith, is, and I learned this from Gene Bateman a lot, is you hardly ever get a pass interference on this play. All right, so we would always say 15 is better than 50. So you hardly ever get pass interference on that last Hail Mary play. So what, what I think happens, the other part of it is when the ball's thrown, you got to practice this. you got to have one guy that's designed to go up and spike that ball into the ground. I'm not sure it's not bad catching it once in a while, I'll be honest with you. Because you watch guys, they spike it and they hit somebody right in the chest and he catches it. I saw the Wisconsin game one time where he spiked it down and it went right to a guy and he walked in the end zone. So, but you need the other guys, their job is not to jump at the ball. You can't have a whole bunch of guys jump at the ball, especially the five nine guys. So they need to box their guys out like basketball. It can't be ridiculous, but if you do get an interference call, which I don't know if I've ever seen it, then then you they get another crack at it 15 yards closer, depending on where you're at, right? They still haven't won the game. So at, to me, the worst thing in the world is the ball pops up and somebody catches. So you, you can't be celebrating, which that's the other thing I see all the time. Guys are jumping, celebrating, do all this stuff. You need to run as fast as you possibly can to that pile if you're not close. Yeah, I think that's a good point about those other guys and not have having everybody uh, jump for the ball. You know, that the, there's the tipper they have, the, the guy in the uh, to get the tip in the back of the end zone. You certainly need to get somebody plastered to him. Right. I've, I've seen guys, you know, at the throw be in the right place. You see him back there where they're supposed to be, but they didn't go find that guy. Who's who's there for the tip? You, you, like you said, you got to box them out, like you're going for a rebound, and that includes everybody down there. I think that's that's something very you know a detailed point. You want to make sure you get practice. Is not just okay. 
you know, on offense, here's the tipper and, you know, the guy going to the back and the guy to the front is those other guys fighting for position to be inside. Because, I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, try to get yourself between the man and the ball so that no one else is getting it. Exactly. You, you got to play like your hair's on fire and the game depends on it because it does. Right. So, and you can't, from a math standpoint, it's math. You, you can't rush five guys in the other scenario we just talked about and have, you know, nine guys in the end zone. It doesn't work that way. You have to pick, but you can get bangs on the most critical guys, right? If it's Randy Moss, I'm going to get hit on him somewhere and I'm going to make sure that he gets boxed out, right? I mean, he's the guy. So you have to know who the guys are. And going back to your personnel standpoint, in the Hail Mary, defense at least where i'm rushing five guys now i got one or two i i get the best guys in the program are going to be back there to be that leaper you know we often oftentimes had a receiver and this year we had andre carter right we had somebody who was going to do a great job there were times we had two guys we'd have you know andre carter on defense and another guy on offense for us that could go up and get that ball and make sure it gets either caught or really spiked into the end zone so I, I think the next scenario though Keith is it becomes and this this one's a little bit hairier but I practice it I called it Alamo you know last stand right and I would I would rush two guys again because I was on like the 20 or the 15 and I just thought I'm gonna rush two guys maybe a guy late we build a defense for it and I'm gonna have nine droppers you know I might bring one out of covers late once the whole thing develops and run at them that's a pretty good deal. Now there's not much room to run. The pressure doesn't matter anymore. He can get it out quickly. And I, I think that scenario is worth at least thinking about, you know, we practice it every Thursday. I don't think I ever used it. And then the last play of the game where, Hey, now I'm just using a regular defense and that's your original defense. To me, you've got to use that 12th defender. You know, I always, I always talk to our guys all the time by rule. If you tackle them in the end zone, still touchdown. Right. So if the ball's going to the end zone from a pass standpoint, then run through the end zone. If, the, if it's a run, if it gets dumped somewhere and it's that last play scenario, the good offenses are going to be ready to pitch it. Right. So, and I think that's what's practicing on the offensive side where, Hey, I got to dump it off. I got to, I got a zombie, this ball again, I better get rid of it. And I think the linemen just go block somebody. They don't even, if it gets dumped, the linemen should race down the field and block somebody. Don't even try to get the ball because, again, the game's over once they catch it, unless you got a ridiculous guy, I think. So, but again, the way we practice it, Keith, was on Thursday, I could run, I could run a first group and a second group through there, and it might not be a whole second group, obviously, because there's so many defensive backs involved in this thing, right? And maybe a couple receivers, but that's why I did it during field goal because the receivers were never involved in their field goal, right, on Thursday. So I could get that five minutes where I could go. I might get a chance to go down the field twice and get all these scenarios practiced. But I, I thought those were good scenarios that, you know, that were helpful. And they, other than the Alamo, the last stand, every one of those were used during my time as a defensive coordinator. And some of them multiple times, you know, I, I, there was a stretch there when we sacked the quarterback or he threw it for 15 yards because he couldn't get it off over and over and over. We brought pressure into his throwing hand you know there's just too many guys right well those those are going down the field of things now sometimes you have to account for uh the situation uh where they're up right for them it's a first down go down situation and you're trying to uh, 
you know, get the ball back, uh, make sure that they, they don't get that first down. And there's an approach to that as well. Exactly right. I think on offense, we lost a game one time because our, if we go first down, go down, so we can practice it. This is way back. And our, our, our running back broke a 35 yard run and ran out of bounds. And they had almost no timeouts if they had any. We kicked it a couple of plays later. We had to punt it, and they scored a touchdown and won the game. So, you know, you can you, you have to understand that on offense, like first down, go down, right? But here's what happened to me on defense that really made me think about it twice. A couple times it was third down, and they either would have had to kick a long field goal or a punt, but if they get the first down, they're going to go down, right? They're going to go down. And we didn't do a good enough job on defense and gave up a, a real quick outcut one time and a real quick slant. So what I started to do is I would yell out a word, right? We used kamikaze, which I don't know if you can use that, but we were going to go down in flames if we were going to go down. Because I would explain the scenario to them in preseason and we would practice it. You know, once a week we'd practice it where, hey, we're going to do everything we can on this play to get them stopped. If they do a slant and go and out and up, a hitch and go and score, we're better off than if they get the first down and take a knee because now they're just going to take a knee and that's it. Does that make sense? So we had a word to tell them because if not, they don't understand as players. You know, half the time they don't even know they're down at distance, which drives you insane on fourth down, right? So it's third down and I watch and we're in this defense and we give up a slant because we're, we're playing like, Hey, I can't give up the touchdown. That's not the case. You got to jump those routes. And then I think on, on defense, on that scenario, right? The four minute defense, they call it, right? I think you have to be in position where you won. You understand how many timeouts they got, right? Cause you watch the NFL all the time and with a hundred percent certainty, you know, they're going to run the ball. And yet the defenses don't look like they know that like they're going to run the football. And if they don't, if they incomplete it, the clock stops, right? Right. You know, especially when you're inside of the two minute deal. So you gotta, to me, you have to have a word that tags this defense. And we did, we, we used the word kamikaze, like, Hey, we're going to crash and burn. But we also, if we play one high, we played, we called stop with it, which meant the safety was going to out and out flat foot it. The kamikaze told the corners and everybody else that they were going to jump the first cut. Right. I don't think, zero coverage blitz is necessarily the best answer because those are uh, a lot of times you don't defend the run very well with those. Right. So I think you're better off taking your quarters coverage and playing it like the red zone where I'm going to stop all run plays and really lock them down with my safeties and corners, or I play one high and flat for the safety so he can run the alley, but you know, play really, really good run defense, but have an answer for, if they sprint out and show an outcut, which is that's, that's what happened to me or a quick three-step slant. So I think that that scenario has got to be practiced, but if you don't use a word, they don't, they don't understand that scenario. Right. Yeah. You got to prepare them for that situation. Uh, and looking at just other scenarios, give up the score, right. And being yep. able to communicate that too. I know on the offensive side, we've seen it quite a bit lately uh, where, you know, the, those guys got to fight to get down because now the defense is actually trying to keep them up and get them into the end zone because they need to get the ball back. Exactly right. I, I think you, 
I, I and I, I shouldn't say this, but I, I still believe in my heart. I think the Seahawks, when they lost versus the Patriots, I thought that was the single worst play call in the history of football. I mean, in the history of football since Rutgers-Princeton. I mean, they're going to let Marshawn Lynch walk in. I mean, he's going to walk in. And and then to throw the interception. But, right, you you got to you have to understand on defense. That, and, again, you make a word, whatever that defense, that word is. I know what people use. I won't fire it out there. <laughs> so it's not be correct anymore. But, but you, you know, you have a defense where, hey, I'm going to let him score. And it can't be that obvious. Their guys are smart. They take a knee, right? It's the same thing. It's the – Hey, it's first down go down on offense, which we saw in the Super Bowl this time around, which was a great was a great play. I mean, it wouldn't be if you missed the field goal, but it's a great play. And but you sometimes you gotta push them into the end zone. I mean, it goes that far. So you gotta I think not be obvious and be ready to go that. And but yeah, I think that scenario definitely applies. I think another one is too is making sure your kids know the down and distance. You know, we're playing uh we're playing uh, North Texas in a bowl game a few years back and it's overtime and it's fourth, fourth down. And we got a kid, Ryan England, who's one of the smartest players I've ever coached officer in the United States army killing it. And I, I would show our kids that play, you know, the, the quarterback scrambling around, he throws a pass and he spikes it and celebrates as fast as you can do it. Like he spikes it all the ground and celebrates. He could have caught that ball and returned it for 10 yards. He could have done all kinds of things, but there's a guy that understood the end of the game. It wasn't about getting another interception. It wasn't about doing any of those things. And, and yeah, he could have caught it and took a knee. I get it. But I mean, he understood this. It was obvious to me and everyone in that stadium and everyone on TV that he knew what the scenario was. Does that make sense? Because, you know, how many times in your career have you watched a guy drop an interception and he's down on himself and it was a 25-yard play and it was fourth down? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I've seen a couple times where fourth down, a guy intercepted it and gets the ball knocked out. I'm not even talking last place in there, but you got to know the situation in the game is my point. And as coaches, it's our job to teach them and have words, I think, to remind them. Yep, definitely. There's an, another scenario, John, we talked about before we got going, but um, you know, the team trying to take an E, especially the shotgun team, that there may be an opportunity Correct. within there to get the ball back as well. Exactly right. You know, I would always, I always tried, I always tried to do this. The shotgun teams, if they took any centers before the game, I, center snaps, under center snaps, I'd try to see how good they were at it. You know, I try to get close enough to see because some guys aren't great. But there's been a, there's been a couple of times in my career where, and, and I don't think you do this unless you're down by a score or less. I don't. I, I, I remember Tom Coughlin got really angry at Greg Schiano in the NFL one time because he because Greg tried to sub the center and he thought why do you do that well if you're you know you're down by five I, I don't understand the game's not over right so we we did it one year when I was a Lafayette versus Penn and they were a shotgun team they went under center we knocked the ball loose got it and we were throwing Hail Marys at the end of the game I mean it, it's to me I don't know why you don't practice it and try it and we just had a signal for the sub thing. I, I don't know why you don't do it real, real close to the end zone. I don't know why you don't do it when they rush up there on, on fourth and one. I think this, you know, because you can't stop a sneak anymore. I mean, you can't. It's almost impossible. You can, uh, you know, if, if, you're not, if you're not running sneak, then you don't got to figure it out, the rules to me. They, you can, you know, assist the runner, right? So, I mean, it's pretty hard to do it. But you can get that ball out once in a while, especially if they're a shotgun team. And uh, 
you know, one year we're, we're playing, I won't say the team, but it was, it was down toward the end zone and I called it and we got the ball out and the edge guys were just standing around and, you know, boy, you're really, you're really disappointed because the ball popped out. And if, if everybody anticipates the ball popping out and plays to the end of the game, like you should, we'd have got that ball, you know, we got that ball. We must scored with that ball. So you have to be ready for that scenario to me. And again, it's another thing is practice it. We, we practice it. We practice it every Thursday. And again, it didn't have to be full speed. It was just like a muscle memory reminder on that that's what you do. The, the other one, Keith, that we didn't talk about was before the half. Before the half is different, right? So before the half, you're not sure what they're going to do. I think on offense, if you don't try to throw a Hail Mary when you have the opportunity to throw a Hail Mary, if you have the ability to throw a Hail Mary, to me, you're insane. Because on defense, it puts so much pressure on you. It really does. So I, I think that's one scenario is making sure they don't get in range to throw that Hail Mary. But the other scenario that happens for the half once in a while, and it's not a ton, but it happens is they've got no timeouts before the half and they've got eight or nine seconds left on the clock, right? So they got two plays. They got one play to try to score and one play to kick a field goal. Well, if that's the scenario and I know they got no timeouts, to me, I got another word that says, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to stop this play, including I'm going to grab guys. I'm going to hold guys. Because if the play takes five seconds and I get a holding call in the end zone or whatever it is, they got to decide whether they're going to just go ahead and take the three points or not, right? you got one play left. So it doesn't come up a ton. But, again, you have no way to communicate that unless you have a word and you practice it. Does that make sense? Because that, that scenario happens. I think it really does. That scenario happens too. Well, it's all with all these situations. It is about having the procedures and the procedures have to have a name because if you don't, there's nothing to, to really cement that this is what they're doing. So that that's one of been one of the key things that you've said throughout is everything has to have that, that one word call essentially to this is what it is. And sometimes it will include personnel. Exactly right. I'll give you one last one. So, because this, this you see on TV a bunch, right? The announcers are saying they got to protect the sideline, right? Because they're trying to get in field goal range. They got to protect the sideline. They got no timeouts. And they keep saying it, but you can't just drop a defense on the, on the side that says to do that. You know, you can play your Tampa two and you got two hard corners, but they can high-low that guy, right? They can high-low that guy. So this is another scenario we had where we would rush three guys and we protected the sideline. Like you had to either pull it down and run which the clock was going to run out or you had to dump in the middle, which in college, if they get a first down, the clock has to stop, but you can only spike it right in certain seconds. I mean, you have to have three seconds. Don't you to spike it now? So I, I think that you have to have a defense that truly protects your sideline. Again, it's a one word defense. It's a certain personnel group. So that was one of our last minute scenarios. And I don't think we talked about that. That hundred percent came up, you know, they were going to kick a field goal. And it's a little hairier before the half, but they were going to kick a field goal and they were going to try to get that 10-yard, 12-yard, 14-yard. To me, Tampa 2 is not good enough. You know, we had something that protected the 6-yard throw and the 14-yard throw. Now, the middle was pretty open, but they're not throwing to the middle, right? So, and if they do, half's over. So, I think that's worth, I think that's the last one. I think it's really worth talking about. I'm sure there's other ones we forgot, but those are, those are ones that have come up a bunch since I've been coaching. Yeah, with with your rush on that, I know 
you've directed the rush in, in talking about these different scenarios sometimes. Are you looking then, you know, knowing that, hey, this guy's going to step up and throw in the middle, are you looking for more of, of a middle push in that? Yeah, a little bit. Exactly right. I think I think you're right. It's not. A, it's definitely not a bring them all from one side scenario. To me, that's a. They've got X amount of seconds left, so they got to do a quick game throw, right? It's something quick game. So I I think it is probably a, it's a three man rush because I want to drop eight, but I just want to use more of my defenders to drop into the sideline. Does that make sense? So I just what I don't want. What we don't want is a flood concept that can be thrown in there and they step out of bounds and then they. They can jog out there, take their time, and kick a field goal. So uh, that's why I don't think Tampa 2 is good enough. I mean, you can high-low Tampa 2, right? I don't, I don't think that's the answer. To me, we had more than one guy protecting the sideline. We had different depths of it. Well, Coach, that takes us to our, our little talk here about Warren's first in goal clinic. Now in its third year, uh, it's been just a tremendous clinic. The resources that come out of it have been incredible all of those available on CoachTube afterwards. And this year, uh, we have even more reason to get the premium pass. Uh, the, the regular pass certainly is good. That gets you 30 days. But there's 130 talks. And I'll tell you, if, if you're, you're coaching, this is a, a great place to learn all phases of the game, building the program, strength and conditioning. It's all covered in this clinic. But what we have available now is on CoachTube, uh, Lauren's first and goal clinic plus, which is going to be that year long access. What will be nice if you've typically been getting the year long access via the uh, clinic site, none of those are cut up or chaptered. You're just getting the, the replays as you saw them as they were presented. So all of these will be cut up and put on coach tube and chaptered so that you're able to go back to certain sections of those over the course of the year, or maybe if you're scrolling through, you're just looking for something certain you want to uh, learn about, those will all be chaptered. So that's the 130 from this year. And then what we're doing is uh, every month rotating 10 courses from the past clinics in. So over the course of the year, you're going to have access to 250 courses from Lawrence First and Goal. And you know, the, the resources here are just incredible. These guys do such a good job presenting and, and giving back in this clinic. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I got a call. I got a call teach the other day from the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, right? And and he was telling me, he goes, I don't know how everybody doesn't buy this. And he just had a question on how to purchase it. But he goes, I don't know how everyone doesn't buy this. He goes, you have the two best offensive line coaches in the CFL speaking like just from a from a Canada standpoint, I don't know how you pick it. And I just, you know, I just when we were talking, I just looked right now. If they all are here and everything else, we've got eight coaches in the NFL currently speaking at this. We probably have about thirty Power Fives or more. If I don't sit here and count them up, we have seven CFL coaches, a ton of FCS coaches, and then and then some other level coaches. So we have strength coaches, right? I mean, Tommy Moffat was a, is a, one of the strength coaches there. He was the strength coach at Miami Hurricanes and then LSU for 20 years. I mean, for him to share his knowledge, like everybody's going to get something out of this. So I don't, I really don't know how you don't buy the staff pass. I really don't. I have a hard time understanding why you don't get it. You're just, you're going to, you can watch this stuff for up to a year. And like you just said, you're going to get more than even what's on there. And there's, 
there is, there's, there's over, a, you know, we say numbers, but there's over 130 college coaches signed up and pro obviously CFL, NFL college guys signed up to actually do this, which is an unreal number, you know, for two ninety nine, I don't know how you get a better deal than that. Definitely. And just, just to highlight a few, few guys, we have Nebraska head coach, Matt rule, who's presented at other clinics that we've run before always does a tremendous job. Joe Moorhead is back now, the head coach at Akron and his presentation at the first Lawrence first and goal was the top rated one this year he's talking about six for six run game and RPOs we're excited about having Penn State offensive coordinator Mike Yersich one of uh, the great offensive minds in college football he's presenting on quick game we have William Inch who's the assistant head coach and co-DC at Washington did a tremendous job at Fresno State really turning that defensive round he'll be presenting Jim Knowles Ohio State uh, again, uh, two years ago, one of the top presentations on the defensive side, and he talked about playing offense on defense. This year, he's going into the details of playing linebacker. Uh, great young offensive line coach in Darnell Stapleton from Florida, presenting on zone scheme basics and fundamentals. Andrew Jackson is back. He did a tremendous job for us last year. This year, he'll be speaking on the defensive run game progression. Could go on and on and on about uh, the, the great guys that we have here. But I think the important thing is that this is for a tremendous cause. That's probably the best part of it because I think the spirit of, of all these coaches, I, I don't feel like they hold back. I think they're giving everything they have in these presentations because this is for such a great cause. I got a preview of a couple of the presentations and they were ridiculous. I think the, I think the college guys know that the college guys purchase it and watch it so they want to impress from a professional standpoint but they also like you said they understand what it is you know like coach jackson and coach stapleton you talk about knowing what it is those two guys came to the camp we had lawrence first and goal camp before covid they came to the camp as campers i mean that's how long this thing's been around those guys are coaching in the sec and the, and the big 12 and they came as campers and they're not the only ones. Those two just you just talked about a minute ago. Like this, this thing's been around so long now that there's, you know, Coach Jackson, he and and Stapleton both. Those guys went to the camp as a camper. They coached at the camp as a coach, right? Volunteered their time, and now they're speaking. And Jackson is doing it for the second time, right? For West Virginia, that they're, they're doing it. Some of these guys have done it all, all three years. You know, I mean it. it it, it really, they get it. It's for pediatric brain tumor research and cancer services. It's not a, you know, it's a 501c3. It's not a GoFundMe page and, you know, Coach Tube and yourself obviously done an unreal job pushing it, promoting it, helping us and all that. And, and uh, you know, once, once the money gets to us, it's 100% in, 100% out. It all truly goes to our mission. Yeah, that's, I think, the great thing about your organization. It's it's not a pass-through. I mean, there's a lot of foundations out there that have a ton of administrative costs, but you guys are 100% uh, give to the cause. That's exactly right. I mean, there's CEOs on, if you look up some of the foundations that you give to, you look up the CEOs making a lot of money, and there's nobody making any money here. It's, uh, you know, it's all, it's all volunteer from, you know, the two people on this phone call on down, so... It's, uh, I mean, it, it is, it, it, it's such a great, great clinic though. Even if you didn't care about the cause, which I hope you do, I, I don't know how you don't do it just from a professional standpoint, because 
I, I do what I think most guys do. I try to watch them live, the ones I can. And then I, if you watch one, if you watch one every night, right. If you watch one every night, it'll take you 130 days to watch the ones that we're putting out this year. Not to mention the ones that you're going to add on with your, you know, the way you're structuring it to give people even more value. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know a lot of coaches go out and do buy the courses after those will be available. The nice part about this uh, membership is uh, a benefit of that is they can buy these for 50 percent off as being a member in this as well. So some of them you're probably going to want to keep in your library behind beyond that 365 days. And as you and I discussed before, there's a lot of great stuff that maybe doesn't have the, uh, you know, big logo recognition of the other teams that that goes under the radar. We're going to make sure that those are, are a lot of the things that are put in this. We're going to definitely have some of those those bigger names in there uh, monthly, but we're going to make sure that some of these unknown uh, presentations are in there as well. So much great stuff in the Lawrence First and Goal Library. Now, after this clinic, we'll have over 400 co- courses. And uh, I think the, the membership, you don't have to do anything if you've already registered and you have a premium uh, pass you will be then put into the membership following the clinic. If you bought the regular pass and would like to upgrade that, uh, there will be an email going out to you, and you can email back to that and request that, and we'll prorate whatever amount you've paid so far to upgrade that to a premium pass and give you the access again to this clinic for a year plus the 120 other courses. I would probably add a little bit more at the beginning here, give you 10 extra courses in that first month, uh, but you're going to see new stuff coming in there and just, again, a tremendous way to learn the game. No doubt. I, you know, here's, here's the other thing I'll throw out there, you know, trying to, trying to obviously sell this thing, is that, you know, I, I'm going to speak at three clinics live and all great clinics, but the difference is these guys from UCLA you know, all the way to the East Coast and, you know, Washington and Cal, defensive coordinator Washington and Cal and, you know, NFL teams, you know, wherever they are, they can sit at their desk at lunchtime or the morning or in the afternoon and they can do this clinic live. You can't get that on the clinics you go into. And it's the best professional development investment you'll ever make. So it, you go, go into your school and get it receded. You know, I do. I think that's a big deal. I mean, you're, you're, you know, whenever you, you're going to, everybody gives some money to something, right. You know, trying to help out, but this is something where you're giving money to a foundation that's making real progress, but you're getting something in return. So you're getting something in return that will really help you. And I know, I know Keith, you just said about, you know, regardless, you know, you talk about the coaches at Florida and Rutgers and, you know, all the big schools, right. Cal and Washington and Oklahoma State and the NFL schools and Michigan. It goes up Penn State. It goes on and on and on. But you know what? The, the coaches at the smaller schools are great football coaches, right? I mean, they really are. That's why we ask them to do it. We don't just let anybody do it. So, you know, you, you're going to be blown away by those by those clinics, and you got to watch them because they might give you more than the than the coaches at the big power fives because they can, they're in position to be, they're the head coach in a position to give whatever they want. So I, I think it's, it's all, it all has value and, and everybody wins when you actually purchase this. Definitely. Again, go to lfgf2023.coachesclinic.com. I highly encourage you to select one of the premium passes. And again, that's going to allow you uh, access to 
all the clinics for 365 days. Uh, after about 30 days, all those will be chaptered and put in the Lawrence First and Gold membership. You'll get access to those there where you're able to uh, go to a specific topic within each of those presentations, and we'll be putting the other ones in as well. Again, lfgf2023.coachesclinic.com. This all kicks off on Wednesday and goes through Saturday. And, Coach, you've done a tremendous job of putting this together. We certainly appreciate all you do and the time that you spent here today on the podcast. Hey, thank you, too. I hope you guys can check us out on Twitter. Please follow us on LFG Football Camp. That's how we get all our information out there. The more followers, the more we're able to get that information out. And we have some other great books out there that my sister-in-law wrote. I mean, Hope is Here to Stay and Lauren's Life Lessons. That If you bought the Lauren's Life Lessons, you'll be blown away. And I guarantee that you will look at that book over and over with all the things that are in that as well. But thanks, Keith, for everything. It was awesome, as always, having me on here. I appreciate it. And for all your help, because we couldn't do it without you. I know that. You put a lot of time and effort into this thing, and we appreciate it.